Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I are here for a special edition of Overtime Hockey Talk as we continue to break down each team that becomes eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs, each of their uh, what happened in the regular season, and then what they are going to do in the off season. And with uh, if you haven't listened to Buffalo and Anaheim, check those out. Subscribe to the show. But we are going to do on today's show the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team that uh, had made the playoffs several years in a row since John Tortorella arrived, and they missed the playoffs, and now John Tortorella is out. Probably the biggest change for this team. And uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets also rehire John Davidson as their president of uh, operations or whatever it is, just their, their team president. Uh, for the second time, and they re-sign Yarmo Kakalainen, their general manager, to a to an extension. So we we've got some guys who are staying, some old guys coming back in, and of course John Tortorella on his way out. So this team is going to get a big difference in in the way that they play, a big a a, a big facelift here. Just not having Tortorella, who who probably was the most iconic figure on this team. Justin, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> uh, yeah. I yeah, your thoughts cool. on that. Yeah, listen, it's it's weird anytime you can look at a team and say, right, they're, the face of the franchise is actually a coach, right? It's like I college mean, football. Face, right, exactly, right. You look at Alabama and you, you, you think Nick Saban automatically, right? Well, that's that's been Columbus for me for the last, you know, however, you know, few years and uh, you know, ever since really, I mean, Rick Nash, right? There really hasn't been a face of the franchise. Uh, maybe you could throw in, you know, uh, Nick Felino a little bit in there, but for the most part, it, I mean, it was primarily John Tortorella, right? It was his team, his system, and he didn't care who he was, you know, playing. And and it's 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 going to be weird now seeing this Columbus team without John Torch behind the bench. Yeah, I mean, six uh, six years in Columbus. And, you know, the first year he was there, they missed the playoffs, which they, they weren't very good in, uh, in that year, 15, 16. And then, you know, they go and they, they made the playoffs three years in a row in, in a tough metropolitan division, mind you, you know, they were, they're constantly going head to head against Pittsburgh and Washington and, you know, a good Philly team, a good, there's, there's so many good teams in that Metro, the Islanders that, uh, I, I think that they were fortunate to make the playoffs as many times as they did the four times in a row. Of course, they they finish as the wild card several times, but they were, they managed to win the the one playoff series against Tampa Bay, and that's really it. And so you you, you kind of can see why this needed to happen. Like the success in the playoffs just really wasn't there, despite this mind blowing sweep of the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple years ago. Uh, other than that, it really has been just kind of a, a mediocre visit for uh, for John Tortorella. Definitely a far cry from his uh, time in Tampa and New York. Yeah, I mean, hey, if you told me beginning of the year, right, this team acquiring Patrick Laine, uh, they've got Max Domi. They've got two solid goaltenders. If you told me they're going to finish worse than Detroit, uh, I would have laughed. But that's where they ended up. I mean, falling at this point, just obviously tied in points. But 
you know, they had less regulation wins. And so uh, obviously finishing last place in this division, and like you said, tough division, right? I mean, it, it's hard when you got to go up against Carolina, Florida, and Tampa Bay, you know, seven or eight times a year. But, you know, they had some, some other teams they could have potentially taken some points from. And you think at least those three teams at the top there, they would have been somewhat competitive against and, uh, you know, been able to pull a win or two out of that. But obviously they just – they just couldn't seem to get it together. And really, I mean, when you look at this lineup, it was just guys just not producing, right? I mean, um, you know, it's easy to look at this forward group and, and point the finger. I mean, you had a guy like Max Domi who was brought in to be the number one center. Um, Which was just really a dumb move in and of itself. but Right. Yeah, look at Josh Anderson just flourishing in Montreal, just looking phenomenal. Uh, boy, do they look smart signing him to a $5 million extension. But – um, you know, and then the, the big the big question mark, Patrick Liney, right? Where was he all year? Only 10 goals. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, they brought in, they, they gave up a big piece and Pierre-Luc Dubois to, to acquire. And really, he was supposed to be that, that guy that could have put up 25 to 30 goals this season for him and really just fell flat. Mike, what? let's go back to Josh Anderson. They did sign him to that big deal. You remember he scored, he scored uh, nine goals in the first, like, 12 or 14 games or whatever of the regular season and he scored eight the rest of the the last 40 <laughs> so he he wasn't i mean obviously he scored that big goal in, in game one against the leafs um 24 points in 52 games really on pace for barely 40 points uh i still don't know uh the to me the uh the it's still out on on josh anderson whether or not that deal was worth it but uh i yeah, I mean, this team just nothing nothing went right. You know, you get you get a team where everyone has career years, you make the playoffs and and you go on a nice run and then you maybe fade fade back because everyone had their best year ever and it just all culminated at once. Well, this is the year for the Blue Jackets where nobody ha- everyone had like their worst year of their career and I I think now they've they it's weird what happened with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like it seemed like, you know, last year in that play-in round against the Leafs, he played so well and there was such hype around him and honestly, I think the mistake and, and when I look at the job that Jarmo Kekalainen has done with this team, I I don't know why they decided to extend him because frankly, many of the moves that he's made have not turned out well. Like Pierre-Luc Dubois, why, why was he in a position where he wanted to be traded? And and then, of course, Patrick Laine comes in and he struggles. And Max Domi struggles. Like everyone's struggling and it should have been so obvious that it was because of John Tortorella. Like he just... Kukalainen brought in the wrong players to play for John Tortorella. You can't bring in these... I'll, I don't want to say the word soft. Like, I don't know if line a is like, a, is a soft guy. I don't, who cares, but he obviously doesn't do well with someone who's going to, to, to be up his ass all the time. And that's just how John Tortorella is. And that's fine. But you got to know who you're bringing in. Like there should have been more than, uh, Hey, this guy's really good. Hey, let's, let's, We'll we'll make the swap. He'll score goals for us. Well, not necessarily. Not if you're, not if your coach isn't allowing him to. And and I think that that's if they had fired Tortorella when they should have, which was probably 
far earlier in the season, I think they might have been able to have a halfway decent turnaround mid-year. Maybe it's because of COVID they decided that it just wasn't worth firing them mid-season and it would have been a hassle to bring somebody in. But I I think that there was a big mistake keeping Tortorella too long with this team. And it, it showed. I mean, everyone wants to leave. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of hard to argue, right? I mean, so we look at, um, you know, we look at Kekalina, right? You, you talk about it. he's been there, the general manager, since 2013. And really, John Tortorella was his first big coach he brought in, right? I mean, he was yep. like, this is when, okay, now it's, now you're starting to, to shape the team into what you want since, you, since you've been there. You know, two years in now, you bring in Torts. Uh, looks pretty good. Uh, you know, that first season was, you know, 500, but then rattles off, you know, I mean, three straight 45-plus win seasons, which looks really, really good, right? So you look, okay, great. We're, we're turning this thing around. It's great. And then things start to come off the wagon, as they like to say, right? Um, obviously, you know, maybe last year, Torch should have been gone, um, you know, a little bit more clear this year. But, you know, now it's, it's do or die, right? I mean, he's made his moves. He's basically signed that extension for, you know, I – I think it was what two years maybe was it um yeah but i mean regardless i think now with john davidson coming back i think now you're looking at this team and you're saying okay cool you've got three first round draft picks you've got to go out and you've got to try to sign patrick line a to an extension um you know you've got the opportunity and the tools to be able to make a few moves in the offseason to get this team back to it now you know in two or three years at this team isn't there again, then yes, you cut bait and you say, you've had your chances. You've had a couple really goes at it, a go at it. And you just haven't been successful. Now, the big thing for me, I think that really is going to determine whether or not he's going to be here long-term is when you look at the back end, right? I mean, there's one big name out there that we're looking at in two, two seasons being a UFA and that's Seth Jones. Right. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind, this guy is the future of this team uh, as far as maybe a captaincy goes. And if you want to have success long term, you know, beyond this season, he's a guy you got to get locked up and for a decent price, right? I mean, obviously he's going to cost eight million plus dollars. I think he's probably going to be closer to, uh, you know, Drew Doughty money. But, um, you know, you've also got Zach Warinsky in two years going to need a new deal. You've got two goaltenders who are both, you know, quality one Bs, potential one A goaltenders who, you know, you've got to get signed to. So really the work's going to be done over the next two seasons and we're going to see really, you know, is he going to be able to flip this team around and get guys signed long-term and buy in for the long haul? Because if not, I think, you know, in two off seasons, he's going to be, you know, you're going to see John Davidson making, saying, hey, okay, see you later. Yeah, yeah. So now the one thing I'll give Kekalainen, he does have a history of making some some good trades. I mean, first off, you, you remember, I don't know if you remember that, uh, Columbus actually traded for John Tortorella. They, uh, they, they gave their second round pick to Vancouver so they could get him. So, uh, acquires him and, and in the same, in the same breath, uh, just like a year later, they, you know, they make that, uh, that Seth Jones trade. And that was a huge trade, um, for, for Ryan Johansson. I mean, can't, you can't beat that. I mean, now looking back, Holy smokes, they absolutely destroyed (laughs) <laughs> on that trade that was a great trade for uh, for Columbus really they probably the reason that they have succeeded so much is because of that trade uh, because of uh, because of Seth Jones and you know you gotta love 
the the Brandon Saad for our Temi Panarin deal that they got. I mean, that was that all happened within like a year of each other. Those two deals, and and they turned the franchise around. So I I can see why like he he has made some good moves where you go okay. I mean, you, you've made the moves to build this franchise, and not too many guys build their franchise through trades. And he's really, he's been able to do that. And it, so you, I mean, you gotta, I gotta give the tip of the cap to him that he's like the one GM that is constantly trading a good player for another good player. Like Max Domi for Josh Anderson and uh, the the Patrick Line for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like there was, he actually gets these deals done that are, I'll say they're not boring deals. <laughs> like, you know, all right, we're going to trade this yeah. guy for a for a draft pick and and see what happens later on. Like he is constantly trying to make this team better. So, uh and and the moves that he made at the deadline were were great and you can see where a veteran general manager, a guy who's been around the block, I mean, he you know, he was did plenty of things with St. Louis long before he became the GM of Columbus. And you can see where that experience plays into, Hey, we got a first round pick for Nick Felino. And I mean, it's, that's, that's great. We you got a first round and a third round pick for David Savard. And whereas then you have Buffalo and Kevin Adams, who's, who is a, a relatively new general manager getting a second round pick for Taylor Hall. <laughs> there, yeah, you I you mean, can there- see why, Columbus would would go well we got to hang on to this guy he knows what he's doing in some respects yeah there's no shortage of of trades this guy's name when you talk about big names I mean uh you know obviously the one knock on him is going to be losing you know Panarin for next to nothing uh but but I think that was also ownership and which is why I I don't think that they're holding it against him because they told him like go out like acquire Duchesne they acquired Dezingle they they kept Panarin I mean they, I mean, yeah, you want to make a run at it, right? So yeah, and you believe in your team, so you you've got to do what you got to do. It's just unfortunate that they, you know, they what they went against Tampa Bay that era. Yeah, I think they lost to Boston that year, right? Yeah, but I mean, regardless, it you know he again, like you said, he's not afraid to make the big move, and that's always kind of refreshing, right? Because there's not a lot of GMs uh, that are willing to do that. Now, the one knock I will say is he hasn't yet created a culture where free agents want to go to Columbus, right? And maybe that's because there's been that lack of winning there, that lack of, um, you know, deep runs in the playoffs. And so once you establish that culture, um, you know, it'll be easier for him to get guys through free agency versus having to always go through trades. Um, See, and I think that some of that was because of Tortorella. Absolutely could have been. Absolutely, because, you know, he's not exactly a guy that, players are lining up to play for it because he's a little difficult to play for. So if Winnipeg can figure out how to keep guys, then Columbus definitely should be able to like Columbus is not a bad place to live or like it's, it's a really nice area. So there's no reason why, I mean, you look at some of the other teams, like why do people want to go live in St. Louis? I mean, I've been to downtown St. Louis. It's not that nice. (laughs) Uh, but I, I know the suburbs are, are great. I know people, some people love it, but I, it's, it to me is, it's not necessarily Columbus. It was, man, I don't want to go play for that guy. Like if you're playing for him, I think he's, he's one of those like, all right, I don't, I don't like to be disciplined, but when you're experiencing it and then you, 
you go through this change in your career and you're a better player because of it, you look back and you say, wow, I, I would not be the player that I was had it not been for that discipline. Like I'd say Cam Atkinson, he's probably in that boat. He probably wouldn't be the player that he, he is without John Tortorella. I, I think that Seth Jones is a fantastic defenseman. And, and a lot of that is because of John Tortorella and what he did for Seth Jones. I mean, he, he built, uh, took a defenseman who was really, really good and made him great. So you, he probably looks at his career and go, well, you know, I, I have a lot to thank John Tortorella for, but are you going to go out of your way to play for John Tortorella? No. <laughs> when, when it gets thrust upon you, you're, you know, you, you can see the positives when all is said and done, but I'm sure you're not going out of your way to, to try and come play for him. Unless of course, you've played for him before and you, and you, you understand, or, you know, there's, there's probably the few guys that l- like having that kind of structure. But I I think that when it comes to those high priced, high end free agents, they, they don't want to go somewhere where they're going to get potentially benched. Like, no, when there's that threat, you're not going to, you'd rather go play for somebody who, who, you know, will, I don't want to say like respect you because it's not that John Tortorella doesn't respect players, but that they're going to, he's going to, he's not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) He's going to bench you if you're playing crappy. And, and we saw that all year. So, uh, and, and you, and you have to also look at it and wonder was some of it just like his own frustration. And so he takes it out on you. He uses players to try and motivate the rest of the team and and it feels like he could be picking on certain guys, uh, and I could I could see how that that might air itself out poorly in in a locker room. But the Blue Jackets moving on from John Tortorella. Do you think this team makes tries to sign anyone? Like, are they going to be active in in free agency? Because they I mean they do have a little bit of money. They've got twenty five point eight million dollars open in the cap with uh, Dubinsky and of course uh, Felino leaving which he could be back but likely won't sign that massive of a, a dollar amount uh, they they are going to have quite a few free agents the following year and and they do have to re-sign Patrick Laine or trade him whatever they end up doing um, do you think they go after anybody yeah, I think obviously their their biggest need is clearly a number one center, right? But they're not going to get that through free agency. There's nobody available uh, that they can overpay for as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the, the top centerman in my mind is Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I think he's probably got his eye on staying in Edmonton. But um, with that said, I think, you know, again, you've got to look to the future with this team, right? And so you've got to take care of the guys. Uh, like we talked about, Seth Jones, Line A. Uh, Warinsky down the line, they've got to make sure they, they save enough cap room to lock this up. So while I, I think they do need to add a couple pieces, I don't think they're going to add any big names. Now, um, I could see them adding, you know, a potential, you know, second line winger, somebody to help add a little depth scoring, maybe a guy like uh, Thomas Tatar, Mike Hoffman. Uh, these are a couple guys that potentially could come in and fill a middle six role and, uh, you know, even maybe throw in some top line minutes when needed. So, uh, you know, giving a guy like Cam Atkinson or Bjorkstrand, you know, the oper- or Bjorkstrom the opportunity to, you know, not have to be relied upon as heavily. So, 
Um, you know, we'll again see what this team does, but obviously the priority when it comes to that money is going to be the guys they have there already. Yeah, which obviously the guys that they have there already aren't uh, aren't exactly cutting it. Um, I could see them going out and trying to grab uh, like a veteran centerman, maybe. Like David Krejci seems like his career is kind of uh, relaunched with with playing with Taylor Hall. Maybe if you were able to play with hit, play him with the right guy, uh, he could reinvigorate somebody else as well. Uh, I mean, I guess you also have. I, I can't see like a Ryan Getzlaff going to Columbus. Uh, that that's the hard thing. I mean, when you're a bad team, nobody nobody's super high end and older is going to be dying to go there. Right. <laughs> so it's it's going to be a challenge. I mean, they're obviously they have those three draft picks, and there is a lot they can do on the trade market, and that's probably where I would look for them to make a move over uh, signing a free agent. Is you know what what other team out there is potentially looking to move a center? Uh, looking for some score, a scoring winger, and they can, you know, maybe flip line A, grab a center, use a draft pick, and and bring somebody else in. Uh, although, I got to imagine that they're going to try and re-sign line A, a one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal, and say, you know, we're willing to totally throw last season out the door. We have a new coach. It was COVID. You got traded in the middle of the year. Like everything was really weird. Let's let's get a a fresh start, all of us. Like I think that that's a fair place to come at it, and and I'm sure where the Blue Jackets will come at. It. Of course, we're saying we need you to score. We need you to be better. But we're willing to give you a pass on last year, and and let's try to improve upon what uh, what's happened, and let's go into next year fresh. And yeah, I think we I will agree. see a better Patrick Line next year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, like you said, uh, bringing in a new coach, get a new system in there, I think there'll be a little, little bit of grace and they'll, you know, at least try to make it work for another year before they, you know, throw them out the door, basically. And so uh, the only reason I could ever see um, them potentially moving on from line A this offseason is if they get an offer to potentially acquire that number one center, that number one guy. Um, but again, those deals are very rare probably never going to happen for him unless yeah, they traded away a number one center for line a right <laughs> yeah so unless they're that desperate to um you know a team's that desperate to acquire patrick line which i don't think there's going to be a lot of teams lining up to, to dish out a potential number one center um you know he's going to be sticking around for at least another year yeah because i think he's a well he'll be a ufa in two years i want to say I think is when he could become a UFA because he has to be in the year the league for seven seasons. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, so it would be another two years he'd be a UFA. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, so if, that's why you could see a two-year deal happen here. And, sure, um, you know, sure. We give it an opportunity to to try, anyways. Yeah, and I mean the the crazy thing about. Uh, you know, just side note in the playoffs, the crazy thing about what the Jets are doing, they're doing this without Pierre-Luc Dubois. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they uh, Granted, they're not scoring a lot. Nobody's scoring a lot in that series. But anyways, that's uh, that's another, another topic. Well, with the Blue Jackets, I mean, I think they likely are a team that, I mean, they can retool here, use their, their three first-round picks. I think that, I don't think that they use all those picks to draft players. I think that they will make a deal 
and and look to bring in, if not a number one center. I think there are some good teams that manage with a couple second line centers. And, you know, you can see Pat, like Max Domi, he has the potential to be a second line center. And the, the, the big issue with this team is that there really is like, there's not much else. Jack Roslovic, I mean, Gregorenko, do you want those guys in your, in your top six? I, I don't know that I do. So it, it, it's something that I think they'll address by bringing in some second, those like 2A or 2B, 3A kind of kind of guys that can move up and down your lineup, like top nine type of forwards. And, and I think you could probably trade, use one of those first round picks to go and acquire a center like that, uh, where, you know, maybe it would be too hard to acquire somebody who's a pure number one. You can definitely go out and grab some guys who can fill in your roster give you a chance, give you good depth, which really is how Columbus has been for a long time. They've, they've gotten it done using their depth over having this high powered top line. So the other side is, does Columbus just kind of look to continue being kind of bad for a minute? Maybe they look at this as well, you know, this is our opportunity to, to really grab some high draft picks. I mean, we don't know where they'll end up drafting for the, <clears throat> for the uh, this upcoming draft, but it's going to be a high pick. What are they? They're like fourth. Seventh? Oh, are they seventh? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they're, they're they're well. No, actually, I think you're right. I think they're a little bit higher than that because they finished less than Detroit. But uh, as far as um, you know, Columbus is concerned, and you, you talk about moving one of those first round picks, right? So I I, I talk about um, a team that I look at, and you know, we we've talked about before. Uh, by the way, Columbus is fifth in. Um, they're fourth. They're fifth. Oh, fifth in the odds. Yes, fifth in the odds because Seattle is technically third. So that's um, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and can't can't finish less than sixth. But yes. Um, so as far as um, you know, that moving a first round pick for center, a name that I, I looked at uh, because to me this this Columbus team is a a team that you know is maybe two or three years away. And when I, when I look at statuses that I, I assign all these teams on rebuilds um, or, you know, or if they're playoff contenders to me, they're at a few pieces, right? A new coach, a new system, um, potential couple scoring threats down the line there. So if Kenny Kuznets off, right? I look at Washington, a team that, you know, maybe is kind of, um, you know, that relationship with him is kind of a little rough right now at 29 years old and they're trying to re-sign Ovechkin, you know, maybe they're willing to move on at this point. They don't have a first round pick. And so if you're Columbus, you could dangle that and, you know, maybe get a Kuznetsov in there who can, you know, could work out pretty nice with Liney and maybe give you a really, really good top line threat there. Yeah. He, uh, he does, he gets to submit a 15 team new trade clause. So he'd have to be willing to, you know, basically half the teams in the league. He can say no to, sure. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it definitely takes more than a first round pick to get Kuznetsov. But if you're willing to give two first round picks, would you trade Kuznetsov? That's a that's a an, an interesting question because he definitely could be a number one center when he when he wants to be. <laughs> that's the right. that's the hard part when he wants to be. And I mean, I know that the the Capitals are frustrated with him because of you know he's been on the COVID list twice, and I think that they see him as. I think they see that he's he's been 
we'll say irresponsible with, uh, and maybe not, not going along with all the, the rules, which I'm sure are annoying. And if I was, if I was in their position, I probably would, would be saying, screw these stupid rules too. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of what you signed up for. You're making seven and a half million dollars. So, I mean, it's kind of what happens when you, when your body is for sale in some respects, I mean, your body is owned by a, a franchise. And so if, if your contract says you have to do what they tell you to do, then you probably should abide by what you agreed to. Uh, and that's, you know, staying distanced and not going out places. And I'm, I'm very confident that he was going out places <laughs> and, uh, and, and being in, in some big crowds. So I think that, uh, they're frustrated with him because of that. And yeah, that could, that could spill over. I mean, they're pretty close to losing in the first round here to Boston and that's not going to sit well with anybody. And if they look and they can go, you know, this is the fault of these couple guys who decided that their personal life was more important than the team life. And, you know, we're going to move on from them. I think that's a, that is a very intuitive thought. Columbus would be a great fit for him. Uh, especially because you can be like, look, you can come to Columbus. You're not going to get in any trouble in Columbus. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some clubs in Columbus, but uh, there's probably less of a, I don't know, less of like a, a nightlife than there would be in, in, in the area in Washington. So, but alas, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I, I would agree with you. They are a team that is, they're not quite like, they're not, don't have to rebuild. But they're definitely in a position where, I mean, if they don't, if they can't re-sign Seth Jones, then everything's out the window, right? Right. Then you got to start fresh and do the whole, you know, tear down. In my opinion, anyways, I think that's that's the key right there. Yeah, I mean, they're going to, July 1st or whatever it is, July 28th or something, they can re-sign Seth Jones. And you have to think that they'll be, they'll be trying to get him signed to a big extension. I I would assume... Ten million dollars for Seth Jones. Yeah. I, I I doubt he accepts much uh, much less than that. I mean, the guy who's been he's not necessarily a huge point producer. I mean, he's he's fine. Like it's not like he doesn't put up points, but that's really not what he's necessarily there for. He's definitely more the the shutdown. Just everything on his side of the ice is just closed for business. So. Uh, and a tremendously effective player and will likely be a very effective for, uh, for a long time to come. You know, he's, he's got probably has at least another five years left in, uh, in what would be considered his prime. So, well, any final thoughts on the Columbus blue jackets before we sign off here? Uh, well, you know, like I said, just, uh, like I like to assign all these teams, a, a quick little status of where they're at to me. It's just, add a few pieces, right? So I think this team is, you know, if they can bring in a couple of pieces and a new coach, right system, maybe, you know, two or three years, they could they could be a playoff, you know, Stanley Cup contender again. And uh, But again, that's, you know, depending on what they do in these next couple off seasons. And if not, we might be seeing a whole new Columbus, uh, you know, rebuild. So that, that'll be exciting. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pull back on one of the things you said, and that's, I think there are a couple pieces away from making the playoffs, but I don't see this team as a Stanley cup contender without, I mean, maybe one of these draft picks that they have this year or, uh, in, in past years needs to 
develop in a drastic way where this team is able to get some much needed scoring. I mean, they can't score. They just cannot score. They don't have the goal scorers. There's no one on this team other than Cam Atkinson who, I mean, well, of course, if Patrick Line becomes a goal scorer, then <laughs> again, then that's a that's a different story. But there just isn't that. You don't look up and down this lineup and see depth scoring. You see a lot of guys who can who can play in a top nine role if they had other scorers they could complement. But you don't want a team full of complementary players, and that's kind of what they have in my mind. They have a lot of complementary players, and really you've got Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. And other than that, the rest are complementary. And so until they acquire somebody up front who can get it done themselves, I this team won't be a Stanley Cup contender. But that will be found out soon enough we'll uh, we'll see what happens here for the Columbus Blue Jackets uh this has been overtime hockey talk special edition of uh off-season reports uh, we'll be back with the San Jose Sharks next and uh, we'll find you on Twitter at OT hockey talk and Instagram as well and we'll talk to you soon